the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. I have a question for you. My question is broadcast after broadcast, message after message goes out via the radio, on television, in church pulpits across Washington, D.C., day after day, week after week, month after month. How is it then? that the city is so wicked? How is it that there is such a small amount of life in Christ? Some of you are going to be offended even by the question. You'll probably be more offended by the end of this broadcast. But I have to ask this question because my heart is so hungry for fullness in Jesus. And I'm troubled that there is so little accomplished in the hearts of men and women by the broadcasts that go out, all of them. And so I've decided today I'm going to look carefully at 
some things that Jesus has said and ask the question, has that touched us? You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I want progress in Jesus, in my life and in your life, much more than I have yet experienced. I am not content with the level that I have experienced. I need more Jesus. If you are hungry also for more of Jesus, then please listen carefully to this entire broadcast. I'm going to go down there in a very honest way. John the Baptist came announcing that God in the flesh was going to come into the world and he was to prepare the way for this Messiah who would come, who was fully God, who was pre-existent to John, and yet who was younger than John. In Matthew, the third chapter, he says this, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. I want you to hold that thought in your mind through this entire broadcast. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And I ask the question, are you producing fruit in keeping with repentance? Verse 9, this is Matthew 3, verse 9. Do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. In other words, don't say, I'm a Baptist, I'm a Presbyterian, I'm a Catholic. Don't identify with some organization and say, that means that I'm okay, that I'm on my way. John the Baptist says, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So either we produce the good fruit, and we'll identify that in just a moment in part, or you'll be cut down, your life will be cut short, in the spirit, maybe not in the physical realm, but in the spirit, you will be cut off from God. Some of you listening to this broadcast today know that you are cut off from God because of your wicked behavior. You know you're committing fornication. You know you're lying or cheating or stealing. You know that you're cursing the name of the Lord. You know that you are doing things that are absolutely unclean. You're spending all of your time and money gaming or doing some other foolishness. The Holy Spirit has spoken to you and you have not left your wickedness. He's saying, the axe is already at the root of the tree. In other words, the axe of God is right now at your root to cut you off. He's saying, repent. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. 
Has that happened in your life? Are you baptized in fire? It says his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So this life is not simply going to continue on as is and then you die and go to some pleasant place. There are very strict requirements being laid down by John the Baptist. Does Jesus also take the same position? He comes out of the wilderness where he has been tempted by the devil, where he has not given way. Jesus comes out of the desert clean with no sin. Verse 17, chapter 4, verse 17 of Matthew. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, John came baptizing in water, preaching, the kingdom of God is coming. Now Jesus comes. He's also preaching the same message of repentance that John the Baptist preached. But now he is going to usher in the kingdom of God. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. That word is still being spoken. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We're going to see clearly today that in part the fruit that is required, it is holiness, it is righteousness, and those two are not the same. Righteousness literally refers to the actions you take day by day and holiness describes the condition of your heart. And part of it is, will you bear much fruit? Will you find many fish? I have not found many fish. I've been a pastor for many years. And yes, I can point to this one and that one and another one that I've brought to Jesus. Some of you have come to Jesus by listening to this radio broadcast. Others of you who are listening, I personally knew and brought to Jesus and discipled you in Jesus. But I don't have many. And Jesus said, much fruit. So now I'd like to go to John, the 13th chapter, and I'm going to begin walking through with you the actual words of Jesus. We cannot avoid these words. I don't come to you today with resources and books and magazines. I don't come with, I don't come with anything but the straight, honest, literal word of the living God, the word of Jesus. I'm not going to 
try to tell you what I think. I'm going to read aloud the literal word of God. Measure yourself against it. Now, in the 13th chapter of John, Judas finally leaves the table of the Last Supper of the Passover. He leaves, he goes out, and John tells us, and it was dark. It was dark. But now Jesus begins to tell his disciples exactly what is going to happen and exactly what he expects of them. He begins. My children, this is chapter 13, verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. The words are literal. He's saying, I'm going to be with you for a very short amount of time, and then I'm going to be gone. He says, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you agape one another. If you are moved with compassion one for another and you sacrificially give of yourself to encourage and lift up a brother or sister, he is saying, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Jesus is known first and foremost by his compassionate love for you and for me. And then he is known by the way you love others. Simon Peter speaks up. Lord, where are you going? Wouldn't you have asked the same question had you been sitting there with Jesus? I would have. Lord, where are you going? Because up to this point, for three and a half years, they've gone everywhere Jesus has gone. There are a few exceptions. I don't know where he left them when he went to the pool of Bethesda, but the scriptures tell us he went there alone. But most of the time, the disciples were right with him and expecting to see him if they were not with him. Jesus replied, Where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Please, let's take this literally. This is not spiritualized. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be gone. I'm not going to be with you much longer. Well, where are you going, Jesus? Well, you can't follow me now, but later you will follow me. Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. The disciples all know that there is a grave threat above their life. They could all be crucified. Jesus is telling them that he will be crucified. It is a fair thought to say 
all of them were fearful that they too would be crucified, that they all would be executed. Peter says, I'll follow you. I'll lay down my life for you. And Jesus answers, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times, Peter. All of the disciples are very troubled by what Jesus has just said. They're very upset. And immediately Jesus begins in chapter 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This is not some kind saying. He's saying this to his disciples who are on the very verge, as they think in their minds, of being executed for following Jesus. And he's speaking to them in that moment of absolute crisis where Jesus is telling them, I'm leaving you. What are they going to do then? All of their hopes, all of their dreams, everything they have has been put with Jesus for three and a half years. They left their their boats and their fishing and their tax table. They've left their sources of income and they have followed Jesus. And now he's saying, I'm leaving you. He sees the look on their faces and he says to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're, where you're going, so how can we know the way? We don't know, Jesus. Tell us. Their world is being turned upside down. Their world is being turned upside down. Jesus answers, I am the way, or I am the path. I am the highway, and the truth, and the life. In other words, I'm the path that you're to walk. What I say is true, and I am the only one who has life. So if you want life, going to have to follow me. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You don't come to the Father through Buddha. You don't come to the Father through Allah. You don't come to the Father as a Hindu. You come to the Father through Jesus Christ. This is a prison planet The only way off this planet is through Jesus Christ. There is no other way by which men may be saved. This is it. Verse 7, if you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. 
from now on you do know him and you have seen him. Philip can't sit still another moment. He bursts out, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. And Jesus answers, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Now we're going to really center in on that precise issue. That Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in him. And you're going to find in just a moment that Jesus is going to say, and I want you in me and I want to be in you. He's speaking here about an incredible union. He says, the words I say to you are not just my own, rather it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. In other words, all that Jesus has done, the raising of Lazarus, the feeding of the 5,000, all of the things he has done in loving them and being kind to them, he's saying, that was the Father in me. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Well, I have to say, this is not my experience. It is in part, but not in full. Is it your experience? Am I missing something here? He's saying, you'll do the same things I've been doing. Well, what was he doing? He was teaching. He was healing the sick. He was raising the dead. He was doing miracles. He was showing forth the Father's glory. He was teaching the people about how to walk in holiness. He says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So he's describing a condition that most of us know nothing about. Could you continue to live if you were not a Christian? Yes, in the physical realm you could. In the spirit realm could you? The answer is no. There is a place of life in Jesus. 
that we have not yet even begun to experience in reality in America. And I want that full experience of life in Jesus, and I want you to have that full life in Jesus Christ. He says, Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. This is describing a person who is totally otherworldly. This is a person who has found Jesus Christ. This is a person who is filled with the glory of Jesus. He says, whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. So literally, we're talking about a situation where where Jesus in the Father and the Father in Jesus come and make their home in us by the Holy Spirit. And everything then in our hearts and our lives is focused around the work and the person of Jesus Christ. I'm in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. So there is an issue here of will you obey the commands of Jesus, and what are the commands of Jesus? We've already learned what one of those commands is literally, and that is to absolutely, beyond measure, love one another not judge one another not criticize one another not literally it means to be transparent in Jesus to live a real life in Jesus it's easy to have a smile on your face and go to church pretend everything's okay while at home you have bitterness and conflict and division. Where you yell at your wife, or she yells at you, or you yell at your children. There's brokenness, broken relationship. Or at work where you just go there and do your job and get out. You don't talk to anybody about Jesus. You don't love anybody there. You don't pour yourself out for anybody there. That's the norm. That's what most people do. So, how do you walk through this? Well, listen. Judas, not Judas Iscariot. There was another Judas who was a a disciple. But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. What is the teaching of Jesus? Well, you might check out the Sermon on the Mount. One dear brother by the name of Reese Howell 
Reese Howells, he would read the Sermon on the Mount time after time on his knees before Jesus and say, Oh Lord, search my heart. Am I doing this? Am I obeying your commands? He says, If anyone obeys my teaching, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. So whether Jesus comes or not is dependent on whether or not you obey his teaching. It's not some sentimental deal. Some of you are so cynical and so much into yourself. I recently listened to two pastors as they talked about their churches. They were very excited. But the overriding tone of their words and of their conversation was pride. I'm somebody. My church is growing. I'm, I'm going at it. I'm winning. I'm doing the job. Well, it doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that if you grow your church with church growth strategies and feel-good strategies, it doesn't say anywhere that that's the teaching of Jesus. There's absolutely nothing for us to be proud of. It says, My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. Well, my heart cries out for the fullness of the Father and Jesus coming in the Holy Spirit and making their home in my heart, in my life, in my mind. He says all this, I've spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I don't give to you as the world gives. I don't give to you as the world gives. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. You heard me say I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I am. I've told you now before it happens, so that when it does happen, you will believe. I will not speak with you much longer, for the Prince of this world is coming. He has no hold on me. Oh, Jesus, I don't want the devil to have any hold on my life. I want to be cut absolutely free anything the devil could grab a hold of in my life. There have been times when I have followed my own will and immediately when I do so 
the door opens and the devil flies in with every kind of attack, every kind of emotional attack. I have learned, don't open the door to the world by what you watch or what you think or where you go, what you read. Don't open the door because if you do, the devil will wait at the door and he will rush in and shred you and cause great discouragement to come upon your heart. He will condemn you. He will tell you you're worthless. You can never make it as a Christian. Why don't you go and do such and such? He will give every lie in the book. Don't open the door to the devil. But stay close to Jesus. He says, the devil has no hold on me. But the world must know that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father commands me. Now please, I'm not describing for you from Scripture as I share the words of Jesus. I'm not describing some sentimental deal. Jesus is speaking to us about life and death, about whether we will be in the devil or whether we will be in Jesus, whether we will be in the light or in the darkness. You cannot be in both. You get angry with your wife or your husband. You've opened a door for the devil to come in and ravage you. Sunday, it was very helpful. Brother Ed was speaking about this issue with us. We were really dealing with what it means to be in Jesus. And I asked Brother Ed the question in the, in the prayer circle in the National Prayer Chapel of Worship. What do you do, Brother Ed, when you get mad? His answer was amazing but exactly right. He said, I don't push the anger down so that it is in me, but not available. He admitted he used to do that. He said, I go to Jesus immediately and I confess my fullness of anger. I tell him everything that's happened that has caused me to be angry and hurt. I lay it all out before him. And I ask him to come. And I ask him to forgive me. Well, what happens if after you've done all of that, you're still angry? Well, your confession wasn't complete yet. Your repentance was not full yet. So go back and get to the bottom of it in the prayer closet with Jesus, not with introspection but taking it to Jesus and letting the Holy Spirit come in and tell you exactly what's going on in your heart. And as Jesus comes in and he speaks by the Spirit, your heart will be soothed and the anger will be taken from you. And your heart will be filled with love once more. Now we come to chapter 15. Jesus says to his disciples, 
I am the true vine. Now, I suspect the reason he's using this in part is that he has just had the Last Supper and they have just shared a cup of grape juice. And perhaps even as they walk their way toward that garden that I've been to and many of you perhaps have, the Garden of Gethsemane, as they're making their way there, there may have been vines growing on a wall. Whatever it is, he's using that motif of the vine. He says, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Jesus is speaking in a metaphor, but it's very clear. Jesus sees himself as the vine. And he sees a person who comes to him and repents and deals to the bottom with his sin and surrenders everything to Jesus. He takes up his cross and he follows Jesus. He is crucified with Jesus. He is born from above. He is made into a new person. That person is then cut off, is then connected to the vine. He has been something else, but now he has been transformed into a branch. And that branch is grafted into Jesus. Now that branch will now gain all of its source of nutrient from Jesus. He will not gain any more his nutrient from playing cards or gaming or smoking or drinking or fornicating or pornography. He will not gain his supply out of marijuana or beer or alcohol. His comfort, his life will now flow directly from Jesus into his spirit and I might add into his body. Now this branch is designed to bear fruit. We are called to be fishers of men so the fruit we will bear yes will be righteousness right acts, innocence, holiness, being set apart for the Lord. Without holiness, no man will see the Lord. In other words, without being set apart through righteousness, no man will see the Lord. And he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. In other words, if, if you are brought into Jesus and you now claim that you are a Christian and yet you do not bear the fruit of righteousness because you have believed the lie of our culture, the antinomianism, 
that you cannot walk righteous before God, that you will always be a sinning Christian. If you buy that, you're not going to bear fruit unto Jesus in righteousness. If you're not bearing fruit in righteousness, you will not bear fruit in holiness, being set apart just for the Lord. And you're not going to bear fruit as a soul winner, as a fisher of men. You will not bear fruit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, as given to us in Galatians. You're not going to bear the fruit of the gospel. You're not going to be any different than anybody else in the culture, except perhaps you'll live a little bit of morality but bottom line you're going to have the same goals the world has you're going to spend your money the same way the world does you're going to go in debt the same way the world does you're going to run your credit cards up because you can't get an answer from God you're going to be like the world and if you're like the world Jesus is saying you're going to be cut off from Jesus. Now you can still be very religious but cut off. Every branch in me that bears no fruit will be cut off. He means that. Some of you listening to this radio broadcast today know that you have been cut off from the Lord there's no Holy Spirit presence that directs your steps. You've been cut off because you have walked and are walking in wickedness before him. And you somehow think that's okay. Some of you try to walk both sides of the fence. But I want to tell you, I have walked many a fence and I can only do it for so long balancing on that fence top and then I fall off. You too will fall off and likely it will be into the pig pen. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Have you ever seen someone prune in the vineyard? It literally appears that he is killing the vine. He cuts it back so sharply till there's just the vine and the branches and the branches are almost all cut off and there's just a knot left so that it will bear much fruit. He says, you, speaking to his disciples, are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. In other words, Jesus has spoken very forthrightly to them and corrected and, and brought them into a change in behavior. They are serving day by day with him as he ministers to people. And he says to them, remain in me or the King James Version, abide in me. And I will abide or remain in you. 
this is the cry of my heart. This is what I want. I want life in Jesus. And life in Jesus means I allow him to prune all of my foliage, everything that I think I must have to survive. I allow him to deal with me in whatever way he deems necessary that I could bear much fruit for the kingdom of God, that I could have the fruit of the Spirit, that I could have the fruit of righteousness leading into holiness, and that I could have the fruit of being a fisher of men and the saving of souls. Now, what I want you to begin to sense as I share this with you is that you don't have time or energy to love the world or the things in the world. You don't have time or energy to love the world or the things in the world. You are called totally to Jesus so that as you walk in your job at the office, in the construction, everything you do, you are doing unto Jesus. You don't join with the guys in their rough language. You don't join with the people in their wickedness. You are there to serve Jesus Christ in that job. You are there to be Jesus in that place, to do the things that Jesus did, to pray for people, to speak a word in wisdom as the Holy Spirit gives you that word to speak. You're not going to go in and speak all kinds of words and live like hell. Again, the man who was not a Christian but was running a large business had an employee who was always sharing Bible verses with everybody, always sharing Jesus with everybody. And then the boss discovered that he was embezzling from the company and he was fired for embezzlement. What did that do to that man's witness in that place? The business owner said to me, I think he was Bud Light. In sorrow, I smiled. There was no strength in him. He liked the taste of following Jesus, but at a great distance because he loved the things of this world, the wickedness of this world. Verse 4, this is John 15, verse 4, remain in me and I will remain in you. Notice it does not say remain in me. It does not say I will remain in you. And then you remain in me. No, first, you make the decision that you will remain in Jesus. 
that you will be sold out to Jesus. Some of you, dear brothers and sisters, I love you and I don't say this in any way to judge or condemn, but some of you are so far backslidden. You are so filled with the world, the flesh and the devil. You're so much into making progress in your finances and and working in your job. You have no time for Jesus. Oh, you can talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk. Some of you have lukewarm hearts. You have cold hearts. You're not on fire. There's not a burning fire of desire in your heart for Jesus and heaven. It breaks my heart. breaks my heart. I'm being very honest with you. It says, Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you are not bearing fruit, it's because you are in religion, but you are not in Jesus. To be in Jesus literally means that I have given every part of my heart and my life. I've given my wife. I've given my children. I have given my job. I have given all of my possessions. I have given everything I am and everything I hope to be into the hands of Jesus. I have surrendered totally and completely my ambition, my dreams, my desires and I now wait upon him and I do only as the Holy Spirit instructs me that is how I live it is what I have done I have no life outside of Jesus I have no friendships outside of Jesus every friendship I have I place in Jesus and ask for those that I witness to those that I am desperately reaching out to for their salvation. All of you. I've placed all of you in my heart in Jesus. And I've asked him to rule over you, to wake you if you need to be awakened, to set a fire in you if you need a fire set in you. I've asked Jesus to come and control your your every move. See, the devil will come and he'll cause you financial hassle. He'll come and cause marital difficulty. Or he'll come and cause some kind of heartbreak. Take it to Jesus. Get on your knees before him. Tell him exactly what's going on and ask him to rescue you. And put all of your hope in Jesus. Rejoice in him. Lift up your hands in praise and worship. Had you been in my house this morning as I was preparing for this broadcast, you would have heard me singing, and that's not always pretty. But I was singing that song, You are the potter, I am the clay. Lord, have your way. I was singing to my Lord. It's not fit for your ears to hear, but his ears hear it and he rejoices. 
I pray that you will be quickened by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're sick, that you will be healed. If you're angry, that you will take that to Jesus and stop taking it out on everybody else, including me. I pray that you will walk in Jesus. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. If you are in Jesus, my brother, my sister, you will produce much righteousness. You will produce much holiness. You will produce much love and compassion. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. We're going to come right back there tomorrow. We're going to continue to walk through this. This issue must be dealt with of life in Jesus. Almighty God, would you come? Would you minister to my brothers and sisters? Would you quicken them by your Holy Spirit? In the name of Jesus, I pray, my precious Lord. Amen. Well, you can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, and believe me, I want to hear from you. I want to hear how you're walking in Jesus. I want to hear the victory that you're gaining. Write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go online. Go to nationalprayerchapel.com and leave a message. Or go to YouTube and respond to this message. My brother, my sister, it's time to be set on fire for Jesus Christ. God bless you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, the presence of His glory with great joy with great joy Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.